to IEP Radio, a show dedicated to the education of all things indoor environmental quality related. And now here's your host, Michael Schrantz. Welcome to IEP Radio. This is episode 26. Today I'm going to be speaking with Dr. Alan Grunning, who is a functional medicine physician located in Southwest Florida and who works with those suffering with biotoxin illness. Dr. Grunning is board certified in emergency medicine and spent 17 years treating every type of acute and chronic illness and injury. He was also an emergency department director for 10 years. In 2001, he went into private practice uh, to care for acutely injured auto accident patients and diversified into functional medicine. Dr. Grunning is also the founder and director of the Southwest Florida Free Pain Clinic, the only free medical clinic in the United States providing holistic care to those with acute and chronic pain without the use of opioids. He has been treating patients made sick by their environments for 14 years and is a proficiency partner with Surviving Mold. Dr. Grunning is a Christian physician who treats the whole person, body, mind, and spirit. And the title of this interview is Chronic Illness on a Budget and a Prayer, and I could think of no one better than Dr. Grunning to help me get through this particular important topic where we're working with folks who have chronic illness, who don't have the funds, who are looking for the help, looking for the guidance, looking for the ideas to get them better through proper treatment, effective treatment, through getting themselves out of a bad environment, as it were. Uh, think about mold. I know that's a big one. And, and again, working with somebody who understands it. Hope you enjoy the show. Alan, welcome to the show. Hi, Michael. Nice to be here. Really appreciate you coming on today with me. You know, I know I've already given the audience a little bit of background about yourself. And I got to tell you, you know, this show is still what I consider to be very new. We, we started last year in May, uh, and we've had a growing number of speakers who've talked a lot about chronic illness, uh, different forms of exposure and those concerns, people with low-dose environmental exposure concerns. We've talked about the environmental side, uh, testing, remediation, best practices, the one thing I don't think we've done a really good job talking about just yet or that is that sig significant percentage of people who really just lack a budget to do much of anything. And segueing into you, I don't remember how long ago it's been. It could, we could argue a year or two that we've even had active involvement communicating with uh, various forums or groups that we're on. But one of the biggest things that attracted me to you wasn't just your religious and spiritual background and how it influences the work that you do, but in, fa in fact that you actually have a free clinic in Florida where you're helping people who have next to no money. I mean, I've heard stories, and I don't want to steal the mic from you for this, but basically people traveling from other states and finding, trying to find money just to get the fuel in the car to get there to visit with you to help them heal, help them get better with some form of chronic uh, illness that they're serving. So I thought, or they're dealing with. So I thought we'd start with the audience and, and, and at, or ask you rather, you know, how did you get started in this? Was this something that, you know, at a med school, you thought about chronic illness automatically or what sucked you into the, the world of chronic illness? Um, well, that's a long story and I'll try to keep it brief, but um, I was an emergency physician for 17 years and um, was running an emergency department and I had all of that, but it was very unsatisfying because I couldn't develop relationships with people. It was all just hit, you know, episodic care, you would call it. And in 2001, 
a bunch of things came together that caused me to leave the ER and God told me to open up my own practice. And I did that um, to take care of acutely injured car accident patients. It was something that I was used to doing and I really enjoyed helping those people. And in about 2004, I became very sick and I didn't know what was wrong with me, but I had no energy at all. I was falling asleep in front of my patients. My staff was coming and slapping me in the face like, wake up, Alan, what's going on with you? And I didn't know what was wrong with me. And so I went to see some of my colleagues and they did tests on me and they're like, well, we don't see anything wrong with you. We think you're just overworked and stressed and you know all that kind of stuff. I'm like, I don't think so. And so one of my nurse practitioner that I was working with at the time had gone to this conference and seen this guy talk about functional medicine and natural thyroid care. And I'm like, ah, oh, that sounds like a bunch of hogwash to me. Um, so anyway, eventually I got sick enough. I'm like, well, let me read that book. And so that began a journey for me into functional medicine before there really was functional medicine. That's been more, more recent certifications and, and you know that's become popular. But back in the early 2000s, mid 2000s, no one really kind of knew about functional medicine. And so I had to get myself better first. And then I started tinkering with my patients with natural treatments and they got started getting better too. But then I had a, a, you know, a, a messenger from God, if you want to call it that, was one of my patients, Kathy, and she had SIRS. She had chronic inflammatory response syndrome. She had investigated herself. She had done the internet searches. She knew what she had wrong with her. We couldn't find anybody to take care of her. And she's like begging me, Alan, please learn how to do this. And I'm like, Kathy, this sounds really complicated. I heard a talk on it once. It was all this immunology that I don't know anything about since medical school. And I don't know that I have the time for that. And she's like, please, please, I'll help you do it. You got to get me better. So I went on to Dr. Shoemaker's website, survivingmold.com. I started to download some of his videos, watch them. Before I knew it, I had spent over 100 hours on this and had become engrossed in this subject of chronic inflammatory response syndrome and, and began to see how it was really the smoking gun. It was really the, the devil under the rock, so to speak, of a lot of illnesses and chronic problems that people are experiencing and are being told that they have other things and they really have this. And it was fixable. So I became pretty excited. So we worked together, Kathy and I worked together and we got her better. And then I started tinkering with some of my other patients that had fibromyalgia, chronic fatigue, they started getting better. And before I knew it, I had people coming from all over to see me um, because they figured out I knew what to do with this. And I kept learning and growing. And so this has been going on for 15 years for me, pretty much. Um, I became you know, more involved with Dr. Shoemaker's group and I was really one of the early people with that. Um, and you know, have learned and grown over the years and, and during that time, I was running a free medical clinic up in um, Charlotte County in Port Charlotte, Florida. It was a primary care clinic and it was really great. And we were helping a lot of people and we were working out of churches in volunteer capacity. Uh, and that went on for 11 years. And in 2008, that all kind of came to a screeching halt with the economy and the, and the setbacks and everything that we had. And I had to kind of focus in on some things. And so I had to end that. But then in 2010, uh, and I'll spare you the whole story, but God just showed up and told me that he wanted me to start another free clinic, but this was going to be a free pain clinic. Uh, and I was like, I don't think anybody's ever done that. 
uh, not that I know of. And I confirmed that pretty quickly, but he brought together a whole bunch of people and resources and we were able to start uh, the Southwest Florida Free Pain Clinic, which you're now looking at um, on the screen, hopefully. Yeah. Um, this is our website. And so we've been in existence since um, October of 2010, uh, at first working out of a uh, church that donated their facilities to us, the First Church of the Nazarene here in Fort, Fort Myers, uh, with volunteer people. And then eventually we were able to get some grant money and uh, we are a 501c3. And so we were able to start getting some foundations and grants to help us. And we were able to um, hire um, some people and part-time. And then we were able to move into our own facility where we're at now two years ago. And so um, two days a week now, uh, we're taking care of people that have acute or chronic pain that have no insurance, have no money, have no hope, Many of them are homeless, living in cars, wherever they're at, and we get them better from their conditions without using any drugs. Our, our goal is to get them off of all the opioids, uh, all the, the horrible things that they're doing to treat their condition, which we can talk about, um, and to get them better using a holistic um, template that I created uh, of natural things to get people better. So, for example, we have physical therapy, massage therapy, um, chiropractic care, uh, acupuncture, nutrition and lifestyle education, uh, modalities, ultrasound, e-stim, traction, um, just a whole bunch of different things. Plus, I see the person, I can do injections. Um, so that we have a lot of different things that we can do to get people better, and we do, and we get them off of all their drugs and medicines and restore them back to life. But what? along the way, I began to see a lot of fibromyalgia patients in this clinic, right. and I realized that I needed to take all that SERS training that I have in my regular practice and begin to do that in this clinic and found out that no one had ever done that before, taking care of fibromyalgia patients in a free clinic. Right. And so I'm just kind of blazing the way here as I go and creating this holistic template to get people better. And we do get them better. And it's so cool. So I, I, I'm like salivating with questions. I'll try go not ahead. to be jumping over, you know, to make it too crazy here, but in no particular order. Um, first of all, was it always a free clinic? I mean, one day you were working traditional medicine, maybe uh, there were insurance codes, that sort of thing. And then one day you woke up and said, how can I help people like this? Or what, what's that background? Well, I mean, I have a regular medical practice still where I take care of car accident patients and I'm also taking care of biotoxin patients. So I still have that side that I'm doing. And then two days a week, we're doing this free clinic at a different location. And I'm taking care of these people who don't have the ability to afford any of that stuff. Um, right. They can't get the lab work. They can't get the IEPs to come help them. Um, they're living in some squalor, you know, with a landlord who doesn't care. Uh, there's so many challenges with this population to get them better. But somehow we persevere through all that and we work it out and we get them the care that they need, which we, you know, we can talk about all the things that we have donated to do that. And we're able to persevere and get them better. But I know that this is, you know, IEP radio and you guys want to talk about environmental stuff. And so I guess my challenge is, what do we do with all these people who are out there? Like you said earlier, it's a significant percentage of the population that are living below the poverty level that don't have insurance and don't have money. And, and what do we do with them? Do we just forget them? Or how can we help them to recover from all of this? And that's what we're about. No, and I would argue uh, with you that that is the issue is, 
it, it's 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 this it's this relationship that always is evolving. Uh, you need to be able to have uh, the the free thinking, the thought leaders, the people like yourself out there uh, leading the way, uh, creating new paths to help. And and in the beginning, you know, you might have to do things that. Um, are not what you want to do long term. I, I I need to make some money so I can figure out a, a system that's actually going to work and and things just keep on evolving. What ends up happening is you end up getting really good. Like we were just boots on the ground originally as an as an IEP. Uh, an inspection was you went out there and then what we we woke up one day and we were like, uh, well, so not everybody can hire you or you live in another state and they or they don't necessarily want boots on the ground they just want you to help guide them they want you to look at the current inspection report they've already had done because they're getting conflicting information they have a clinician that says they're having an exposure they're having an IEP that says there's no mold that is giving them an exposure and they're very confused and then we woke up one day and said well that's great so we're now able to do virtual consultations and help people around the globe which we still do but then it was like how can we give back and I made the horrible mistake of trying to go on social medias and trying to answer questions <laughs> and didn't realize that I, I, re I quickly realized that you need about 150 hours in a day just yeah, to get that. to that demand and yeah. that it was something that was consuming and overwhelming to me to the power what actually started affecting me personally, because I'm like you, there's a part of me that's a bleeding heart that wants to help and give back and, and, and have a, served something that's a higher purpose. So then came out IEP radio. And segue into IEP radio, which is a free wealth of information. Um, that was one way of a few that I do give back. But you talk about it being the environmental stuff. And I do want to touch a little bit about, you know, how do you handle the IEP environmental stuff? But this is so important because so much of what we do is it's, it's a relationship. I don't just ignore everything the clinician or the patient says about their health and then go on about doing my own assessment or sampling. I very much frame a lot of what I do based off of what the clinician is saying or stating, whether it's diagnosis, level of concern, maybe there's a certain treatment where a certain environment has to be achieved. I think about the shoemaker protocol. Step one, get yourself out of that moldy or, or, or you know, contaminated environment. A lot of times easier said than done. Um, I, I want to talk a little bit about that. I, I know that we're, we're, it's, it can be exhaustive and there's probably a thousand examples, but one of the things that Dr. Shoemaker uh, has always been a great example of is data. He always promotes it and, 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 you know, show me the data and what's the reference and what is, what is the, the study actually showing versus not showing. And we know that with the shoemaker protocol, when treating somebody with CIRS, that there's this kind of this step-by-step -step way of, of treating the patient. But I'm guessing that for the people that are coming to this clinic that are needing your help, that a lot of times they can't even afford the, uh, the protocol itself, are you finding yourself, well, let me say this, am I wrong in that thinking? And if I'm not, what are you doing uh, to help these people, say somebody who has CIRS but has no money, but still honors the intent of that protocol? Because so many people, Alan, you can go on, we'll just say social media, and you can go and look at these groups and you have people just offering their own self-diagnosis treatment and they're not qualified. They're basing it off their own personal experience. I would find that extremely uh, dangerous. Um, how are you able to parse separately and say, well, no, this makes sense. This is not exactly what Dr. Shoemaker is recommending in his protocol, but this is along the same vein. Oh, and by the way, it's extremely affordable. Uh, let me start from, first of all, why did I wind up with Dr. Shoemaker? I mean, I investigated all this. I could have wound up with anybody else. I went with Shoe, Richie Shoemaker and Surviving Mold because Richie has the science. 
Nobody else has it. Um, he's the one that's published everything. The guys and the girls, the guys and the gals that are involved with us with our group now, they've published it. We have the data to show that his protocol works. We've done it on tens of thousands of patients. We know they get better. So this is not just someone saying, I think this will help, which is a lot of what you get on the internet. Well, here's what I do, and I think it'll help. No, I don't want to hear that. And my patients don't need to hear that. They need to know, they need to be given hope. They've already been to 15 other doctors before they come to me. They got to know that I'm going to be the last stop on the journey. And I reassure them that, no, I'm not going to give you just my opinion. I'm not going to give you Joe Blow's opinion. We're going to look at the data. We're going to look at the science here, and we're going to focus in on what really works to get you better. And his protocol works. And that's why I went with it. And there's a bunch of testing that you have to do to confirm the diagnosis. Well, that's the first place in a free clinic that you have to deviate off a little bit. Right. Um, because the testing is, is laborious and it's expensive if you don't have insurance. If you have insurance, most of the time I can find the right diagnosis codes and I'll get it paid for. But if you don't have insurance, it's hopeless. And these labs, I've gone around and around with them. They don't want to donate these tests because this is not your little $2 CBC. This is a $200 send out genetic test that they don't want to just donate. So I have to use screening tests. And we fortunately in SIRS world, we have two good screening tests. We have the VCS test or visual contrast sensitivity test that you've probably talked about before on here. So it's extremely accurate. You can take it on a computer. I can have my patients do it at the clinic or they can do it at home. I get the results emailed to me. And so therefore I know if they're passing or failing this test, assuming they did it correctly and we try to instruct them how to do it correctly as best as possible. Um, some of them are going to a library to use their computer there because they don't have a computer, you know, or they're going to a friend's house or wherever they can find one. And, and so we know that if you fail the visual contrast test, there's a 98.6% chance that you have biotoxinomas. That's a fact. If you pass it, there's an 8% chance you could still have it because 8% of people still can, or there's a higher percent, but there's 8% of people that um, can, can pass this thing and still have biotoxin illness. You always have to kind of keep that in the back of your mind. The second confirmatory uh, screening test we have are symptoms. And we have a wonderful symptom inventory that Scott McMahon validated for us uh, with a paper that he published. And you divide their symptoms up into 13 clusters. And if people have eight out of those 13 clusters positive, there's a 98% chance that they have biotoxin illness just based on their symptoms. And it'll be amazing to me that I have people come into my free clinic and I start poking around and I can see that they have fibromyalgia and they have no energy and they've been to all these places and I have them fill out the symptom inventory and they're checking off like every symptom on the thing. And so there's no question that they are scoring positive 98% of the time. Then they do the VCS test, they fail that. So that gives me virtually 100% assurity that they meet the criteria of CIRS just by doing those two tests because they can't afford the really complicated genetic studies and brain hormones and cytokines and all the things that I test for in my regular practice. And I follow his protocol exactly, exactly. I don't deviate from it because it works. Who am I to deviate from it? Now, so the other thing that um, we can do is I can get some basic free lab work for my patients from the local hospital, the health system. So I can get things like a blood count and a metabolic panel, and I can look at some of their thyroid tests. And um, 
I can look at um, vitamin D levels, you know, so some basic things that are pretty important. Um, I can get those things um, for my patients for free. So that at least gives me something to work on. If they're hypothyroid, I can figure that out pretty quick. If their vitamin D levels terrible, which they all are, I can fix that. So having those tests donated to us are huge, um, but they're really good things I can't get. But once I decide that they have CIRS based upon all that, I follow his protocol to the T. Um, so step one, get them out of exposure. How do you do that, Michael, when they are living in some disgusting apartment? Um, so we have to cross that bridge. Step two, start them on a binder. I have free well call that I can give to paper, people. It's donated by um, a, a organization called AmeriCares, which uh, sends medicines around the world to missionaries and mission hospitals, where they also help free clinics in the United States. And one day, uh, I get a list from them every week of what they have on there. And one week, I noticed they had well call on there. And it's like, whoa, what do they have this on here for? That's, I don't care about cholesterol. So I got 10 cases of well call, and now I have it at my clinic, and I can give that to my patients for free. Normally, a month's worth of well call will cost them $600 and they get it for free from me. So it's a huge blessing to be able to have that available. Um, the third step is to um, get rid of Marcons. Well, I have free nasal cultures that have been don donated to me by Dr. Musto at um, Microbiology DX. And so he's been very generous. And so we do free nasal cultures on our patients and I'm able to find out whether or not they have Marcons or not, which is a big part of this. And I don't know if your people know what Marcons is, but it's a disgusting multiple antibiotic resistant staph that grows in your sinus and produces an endotoxin that poisons your brain and causes atrophy of the brain. And so you have to find that and get rid of it. And it's a nasal spray that we use to get rid of it. Um, that's donated by a wonderful pharmacy here located uh, locally here called Apothecare 360. Uh, he donates all the things that I need for these patients. He's amazing. Joe um, Catalano is his name. Um, so, I, so he's been very, very helpful. And then we have to get them on the right diet. So I have nutrition and lifestyle educators that counsel them on what their you know, diet should be, getting them off of wheat and dairy and processed foods and all this garbage. That So then how do you do that? when your meals are coming by going to a food pantry and you're getting free stuff and you have to take whatever they give you. I mean, it's a big challenge. Uh, so we have to try to teach people, you know, what th kinds of things to get from the food pantry. If they have food stamps, what do you want to get at Publix, you know, that instead of the other stuff. So we have to teach people what to do with that because you are what you eat. So anyway, we're able to go through the steps of this protocol and, and get people toward the end of it. What's incredible is not just the resources, and I definitely want to talk about how people can help because obviously there's not an unlimited supply of what is already generous donations that, that there, there's a reason that is coming in, but it's not sustainable in of itself. It takes a community working together to be able to help the vast majority. You also touch on, you know, this whole first part about, you know, we know, know that the Shoemaker Protocol, a big part of it. Uh, right now is looking at cytokine or blood markers to see, you know, and what's their HLA and, and you know, okay, you have CIRS or you don't. Um, you've already identified, Alan, I know there was more than two, but uh, two big ones are the VCS test and a cluster of symptoms um, that Dr. McMahon kind of helped put together to really help determine for a relatively affordable price, uh, does this person have CIRS? And I, I want to take a moment and, and emphasize how important that is because the next step right after that can be either very challenging or not based off that diagnosis. If you have CIRS, 
and your clinician thinks that exposure is occurring uh, in the current home or building, then it, it, it is tricky. Um, what do you do with somebody who's living week to week, uh, paycheck to paycheck uh, in an apartment? Um, so good question. So uh, sometimes they have a rental home. Sometimes they actually own a small home. Many times they're living in an apartment. Um, sometimes they're in the car. Uh, you know, or staying from hotel to hotel. Like I have a lady that's kind of going from hotel to hotel to a friend's house to another friend's house. So it's a really big challenge. Um, I think a couple of things that are helpful. First of all, uh, if we can get them in a stable sort of environment for a while, we do have free test kits that we get to people that have been uh, donated from Assured Bio. Um, so at least gives us a sense of, is there any of the five disgusting molds growing in their home? Um, so that's the hurts me two score. So we can donate that we can provide those donated to people and that's a $100 test. It's free. So they've been very generous to help us with that. Um, we're going to try to do more to start testing for all the fab. Um, so I've got to work with Envirobiomics about that, about getting some free kits from them. But I make people come to me for a good month before I give them that because I want to make sure that they're actually going to come back and I'm giving them this free kit. And then once it's gone, it's gone. And I don't want to abuse that. Um, but what, so we try to test their environment. If, if there's any question about if the environment's bad, I actually have uh, one local HVAC contractor who will go into their home and take a look at it. And also I have two IEPs locally who will go in and take a look at their place um, if, we, if I need them to go in there. And they volunteer their time to do that. They don't charge for that. I don't know if the audience picked up on this, but you said, among other things, an HVAC company, and maybe a, 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 upon first earring glance, you'd think well, an HVAC company. But let's put this in perspective. You guys operate out of Florida, and <laughs> uh, I would say that probably the number one place an inspector could easily rely on starting to look at a mold source, mold problem, contamination, is the air conditioning system. This is a huge issue in your area, is it not? Yeah, I would say probably, and again, I've been doing this for 15 years, 75% of my patients, the problem can be traced back to their HVAC system solely. There's nothing else in their home wrong except their, their entire air handler is disgusting. Yeah. And that's either because it was balanced improperly, has poor air return, multiple reasons, lack of maintenance, whatever. Um, so once you have to get that cleaned out and you, know, you have to have somebody who knows what they're doing. And, and it's just really sad. You know, I see this all the time that I see people who have, you know, supposedly been having HVAC people come in there every six months, changing a filter, whatever the thing they're, I don't know what they're doing, but then you come to open up their air handler and it's disgusting. It's obviously no one's looked at that in years. And I don't know what they do, you know, with these regular maintenance things. So you have to find someone who's willing to be, um, who knows what they're doing, who's willing to get in there and get down and dirty and try to help these people. Because for SERS patients, uh, as their HVAC goes, they go. Um, and down here in Florida, you know, you got to figure we're using our HVAC system most of the year. I mean, there's a couple months here that are nice that we open the windows, but for the most part, we're running off our air conditioning. Right. And it's got to be in stellar condition. And if it's not, then the people suffer. The whole home gets contaminated. And then you have to go ahead and decontaminate the entire home, which eventually we wind up having to do. But for most of my people living in apartments, once we find out that the place is gross, um, then it's a matter of getting to the landlord and saying, are you going to fix this or not? And if they're not, I got to get the people out of there. And I just have to write them a threatening letter saying, if you don't let them out of their lease, 
you know, I'm going to report you to whoever. Uh, most of the time they'll do that. And then they have to go somewhere else. And then the question is, where else are they going to go? Because maybe the next place will be even worse. You know, I, I, I love, uh, Alan, just, you're, you're, you're right to the point. You know, write a doctor's note. Uh, it's a threatening letter. You had a landlord that's not being reasonable with somebody who's showing a legitimate exposure concern. They don't got time to listen to that person. And a lot of times the people that, are, uh, uh, that don't have any money, that are on the, on the government system, are the ones that get treated the worst. Uh, no one has time for those people. They're not living on the, on the top of the hill, so to speak. And yet those are the ones where we often see the most problems. It's this horrible relationship where it's like the perfect storm, the worst of the worst. And I would argue that Alan and his local team of, of, of uh, his village of professionals is great for the Florida area. There's people listening right now who don't have uh, that local network. And, and, and we're still in the same concern of, well, what do I do? Um, I don't have money. Maybe I am able to work with somebody like Alan, but can I, can I educate myself? And uh, a shameless plug uh, here on IEP radio, especially since it's free is you can learn a lot about uh, things to look for. Episode nine, even though it talks about things to look for when you're renting, the concepts are the same, whether you're renting or occupying. Um, you know, there's issues with remediation. Um, uh, there's, there, you are in an apartment or you're in a home and the landlord says to you, oh, don't worry, we'll take care of it, but you don't know what take care of it really means and <laughs> what is proper remediation? Because, I mean, if we rewind the clock, a little bit of bleach and, 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 and an old toothbrush is how the 30 year old experience, you know, 30 years in the, in the in maintenance industry, I got this mold's not a problem is not the guy or the girl that you want showing up to your, your unit to do the work. Well, IEP radio has got a four part series on mold remediation where we show you uh, high level uh, fundamentals, get into the weeds of what this would look like. It's to arm yourself with education and, and, and be able to say, okay, well, I am on a limited budget. I'm not going to be flying somebody out here to my house uh, to do uh the type of work that maybe you'd want to have done, but that doesn't mean you're, you're, you're SOL. It, you, you have the ability to arm yourself and look. So let me ask you this question. Beyond the ability to, for somebody who's lucky enough to work with you directly, who's in the, the nearby Florida area where they have local resources like the HVAC company or a couple IEPs that might be able to offer some assistance, whatever that may look like, let's assume that you feel like that particular issue of the patient is out of exposure has at least been addressed where, where do you say it's good enough? You, you don't have the luxury of doing blood marker testing. You, 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 you don't, you, are you, what are you using to determine whether this patient is in an environment that is now, and here's the term I do not like, safe enough for them to occupy and recover with treatment? You're really forced to have to go back to what we did for years and years, which is talk to the patient, see how they feel. Um, what communicate communicate you know amazing it's a new thing in medicine right like yeah. everybody wants to do fancy tests but no one wants to sit and chat with anybody i make sure i touch every person with my hands i mean in the covid area it's i have to wash them afterwards or <laughs> put sanitizer on them but i want people to know that i'm actually touching them i'm listening to their heart i'm feeling their thyroid i'm doing stuff because all that's important but sitting and talking to people is, is essential because i can tell if their environment's good they're progressing through the protocol. They're starting to feel better. So here's an example. I'll give you an example. So today I'll, I talked to Tamara. So Tamara is currently up in Tampa. So I did a virtual visit with her, but I, she, she came all the way down from Tampa to see me down in Fort Myers because she had been through the mill with the traditional medical system. 
had lost her job, lost her insurance, lost everything, lost all of her money, was homeless, living in a car, and, and no one would help her because they all thought she was nuts. And I knew that Tamara had SIRS. I mean, from the moment she came in, to, she checked off every box on the symptom inventory. She failed her VCS test. We talked about all the disgusting places she had lived in or worked in, and I knew that she had SIRS. And so, so I give Tamara her well call. We start her on the protocol. Uh, I send her back up to Tampa to try to find a place to stay. And today, and this, so this is going on for a couple months now. Today, I call her, or we do a virtual visit, and I'm like, Tamara, how are you? She goes, Dr. Grunning, I have a Christmas miracle. I'm like, totally good. I'm like, what do you mean you're totally good? I'm looking at her and like, I've never seen her look this good uh, on, the, on the computer. And she's in the car with her mom and her mom is screaming at me. Thank you for saving my daughter's life. She's totally different. I'm like, okay, well, where are you staying, Tamara? Well, I'm staying with my mom right now. So I'm, I'm, I'm assuming a couple of things at this point. Tamara has made a ton of progress in a short period of time. She's living with mom temporarily. It must be an okay place or she wouldn't be making this much progress. And she looks amazing, right? And so I've got her on a little bit of thyroid and you know we're doing some other things, but it's really that she's detoxing is what's made the difference. And so if she was still in a disgusting place, this wouldn't be happening. So you kind of have to just talk with the patient. So other people that I'm dealing with, you know, are not progressing really well. And so we test, we try to test their environment, you know, but now we know that the indoor toxic molds are only 10% of the problem, right? So what do we do about the actinomycetes and the gram negative bacteria endotoxins? I'm not even testing for those. So if I see people that are going through the my protocol in the free clinic and they're not progressing, I'm just assuming there's something bad in there. And unless I can get somebody in there to prove it, I need them to get out. Right. Yeah. So it's, it's kind of back to boots on the ground thing. Like you were talking about earlier, it's back to clinical intuition. Um, Cause I have no way really to prove it until I get donated, you know, testing to be able to really confirm that the place is clear. And there's something to be said about contrast. Uh, we've used the term mold sabbaticals uh, in the past, this idea of getting the patient out of the environment um, uh, and just seeing how maybe their cluster of symptoms change or they improve. The VCS all of a sudden starts to get better um, and using that as a litmus because, again, I don't want to have to use this disclaimer every single time I make a response, but we're not dealing with somebody who has the budget to do what maybe somebody who does have the budget can do. We're trying to find realistic, and that is such a heavy and important word there to yeah. use to help them eventually get to the same finish line that everybody else is getting to. Um, yeah. You used, um, I still want to talk more about, you know, just your practice and the donation, but you mentioned something about uh, Tamara earlier, uh, and I believe it's what she said to you or whoever it was, a Christmas miracle or, or, or a holiday miracle or whatever it is. Um, like politics, not, 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 this won't be an issue for you and me, but like politics, a lot of people are so polarized and are so offended, um, that you can't even bring something up even darn near. If you're talking about the same side, there's going to, you're bound to get in an argument. You're bound to make somebody uncomfortable because I just think it's the way of the world now. And I think we've lost perspective, but I want to talk about something that thanks to you, I think even I focus more on and try to 
carefully bring into conversations, and that is religion, that is God, that is that thing that might have been a miracle. This is tricky because we're so used to a test code or so many milligrams of well call or this hurts me score. Um, People are afraid to uh, talk about things they don't fully understand. Um, I want to ask you your personal experience of where do you see God playing a role either in your practice or your patients' lives? how important that actual relationship might actually be? Well, as a Christian physician, it's everything to me because honestly, I believe, and and you have to understand, I came from an atheist background. I was an atheist for most of my young life. Mm -hmm. Um, I was a diehard atheist. Um, I didn't believe in God, Jesus, the Bible. I didn't believe in any of this. I thought spacemen brought our DNA here 6 billion years ago or 4 billion years ago, and they keep coming back every million years, and they're manipulating our world, and we're evolving to this higher plane of consciousness. I bought into all that. And I had to get away from that because I was miserable. I mean, I was the most miserable person, and I had no purpose to my life. It was meaningless. Everything was meaningless. And so I discovered, and I won't go through the whole details, that the Bible was real, God was real, Jesus was real, the whole thing was real. I had totally missed it all that time. And I became a Christian, not just in name, but I became a follower of Jesus. And once I became a follower of Jesus, I now had a different perspective on my medical world. It was now a holy calling. It wasn't just a job. It was something that God had given me to do to take care of his children. And so I took it very seriously. And so I began to introduce my patients to the idea that I was a holistic practitioner, that I took care of body, mind, and spirit. A lot of people talk about that, but the spiritual thing is kind of nebulous, like what they're doing with that. But, But I'm looking at, I'm gonna try to help you in every possible way. And the studies were with me. I mean, there's tons of really good data out there that show that people really want to talk about their spiritual lives and nobody's asking them. I mean, in this area, in this era of customer service, we're not giving them customer service in medicine because the studies clearly show that 80% of the people who come into a primary care practice want to discuss their spiritual life and the doctor never asked. Yeah, right. And that 70% of the patients want their doctor to pray with them, but only 2% say anybody ever did. I mean, that's sad. It's so, politics, so not man. They, they're offended. Them. They don't know how to respond to it. They, they, it's uncomfortable. It's uncomfortable. And so we're not even giving the patients what they want. Now, is dealing with your spiritual life helpful? Absolutely. It affects your, your mental health, your physical health. It affects everything. And so I'm offering patients that I'm going to take care of all that. Do I hit people over the head with a Bible and yell at them? No, I don't do any of that. But I do offer to pray with every single patient that I see. And I'll tell you, in 20 years of practice doing this, I've had five people tell me no. 20 years. Everybody is like, you're going to pray with me, Dr. Grunning? Let's do it. You know. And we hold hands and we pray together. Even in the stupid COVID era, I hold their hands. Um, and, and people then understand that I have a connection with them that's much different than the normal doctor-patient relationship. I actually care about them. They're not just an insurance check. They're not just a way to make an income. It's not just a job. Uh, This is a holy calling for me. And so I take it very seriously. So the spiritual part of this is huge with me. And I get a chance to be 
the hands and feet of Jesus to people, which is so cool. And he can use me in my free clinic, my regular practice. Now, that doesn't mean that I don't work really hard to work on the, the physical part of them and the data and the lab tests. And, all, you know, I do all that meticulously well. Um, but I want to make sure that I'm bringing something else to the table and that patients love it. They appreciate it. And we should be doing that. I mean, we should be doing more of that. And IEPs can do that too. I mean, you guys go into people's homes, they're distressed, they're upset, they're frustrated, they don't know what to do, their life is falling apart, they feel terrible, they're depressed. I mean, you can offer them hope by saying, you know what, I really care. Um, maybe we should pray together. And you'll be surprised, my goodness, people will be like astounded. I'll tell you, uh, first of all, thank you, Alan, for sharing what is obviously just a small piece, yet let alone very important piece of how God operates uh, through you. Uh, I, I will tell you that I like, I'll just to share another bit of information about my own life is, yeah, I've had that similar journey where I don't necessarily know that I was a hardcore atheist, but I think I was more of that Sunday school, check it off the box and you did it and then you just move on. Um, mm -hmm. And without getting into due detail, but trying to keep it as topically relevant as possible, bringing, you know, my relationship with God has had a profound influence uh, on how I'm able to effectively communicate and more importantly, connect with people like you. I'm not a Bible thumper. I don't show up to my virtual consults with a robe and Jesus sandals. I, I, I'm a real person, believe it or not. Um, and I like to have fun. I like to joke. Um, but at the end of the day, um, there's deeper connections. I mean, if this guys, if this whole thing was so easy, you'd be able to buy the solution on Amazon. Um, but you can't. Yeah. And, and, and we, so it, it, just to know that, you know, from Alan's background too, that it's such a wonderful place to land, such a wonderful place to support. Uh, he, 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 he models his work and his behavior off of something that he believes that is something that's deeply rooted in. And just another, uh, at, at the risk of limiting uh, myself and limiting um, God's good work, I, I did, I do find sometimes it's hard to find the right words? How do you explain a feeling, an innate uh, desire to be good? And uh, I was actually not too horribly long ago introduced to, and I know we're not in a book club right now, but I just want to mention it real quick. Uh, C.S. Lewis wrote a book on mere Christianity. And I got to tell book. you something. That's one of the first things I read when I came out of atheism was mere Christianity. Right. And yep. I tell you what, I, I, I have plans actually to give that book to uh, a, a close friend of mine, uh, who is kind of in kind of in that thing, and it's not to force anything. It just it was able to help me solidify uh, answers to questions that people often ask. At any rate, it's it's something for those of you listening to consider because it very much is part of this entire process. Uh, whether you're dealing with your health and you don't have budget, whether it's an issue with trying to understand your environment, uh, IEP Radio is a great place. Clearly, Alan's. Uh, service, uh, this uh, free pain clinic. I mean, he's donating. I don't. I know I haven't done the stats, but 40% plus or minus of his time helping people that don't have an income to, to, to pay for this sort of thing. And that is a huge testament to what he is doing for, for our civilization, for our species. But the one thing that I really wanted to offer the audience, two things. Number one is tips and suggestions for other clinicians who want to do what you're doing, who want to model it, what advice can you give them so that they might be able to start something? Like any great idea, it usually starts really, really small, and then it gets bigger. What can you recommend? Because we need more clinics like you. So I think the first thing is you have to get out of the box of traditional medicine and just say that that's not good enough. 
It's not good enough to just manage people's symptoms with a bunch of pills. We have to be treating causes. And that's what we do in functional medicine. We work together with the patient to find the cause or cause is, and we work together to fix that. And we don't disguise the symptoms with a bunch of Band-Aid pills. That's just not going to get anybody anywhere. So you have to be willing to break out of that mindset and say, no, I think I really want to fix people. The second thing is you have to be willing to connect the dots. So you have to stop looking at people as like having eight separate things wrong with them. But is there one thing maybe that connects the dots that there's one thing really wrong with them that's causing these eight things? And, and with SIRS, you have that. And that's what I figured out early in this journey is that I don't have to keep looking for reasons why people have Hashimoto's thyroiditis and autoimmune this and that and hormone imbalance and, and leaky gut. And you know they have all these barriers, but is there one thing that is causing or that connects those dots? And yes, SIRS is the thing that connects those dots. And it's the cause of every autoimmune patient I've seen. And I've seen lots of them and I test them all and they all have SIRS. Every auto, and you know, autoimmunity is kind of interesting. And, and most of the doctors or health professionals out there will understand what I'm saying. When I was in school, now this is going back, you know, quite a way, um, we had a one hour lecture on autoimmune diseases and the guy got up there as a rheumatologist and said, you'll never see this in your practice. Now it's every day, it's commonplace. Everybody's got an autoimmune disease. The, the drug companies are advertising relentlessly on TV to put your patients on Yumera because they all have autoimmune diseases. But why do we have that? Why did that happen in this country? We never had that before. It's because we poisoned this planet. And one of the ways we've poisoned this planet is by creating these disgusting water damaged buildings with indoor toxic organisms that are making us sick. And so if you can get people away from that and heal them from that, do their autoimmune diseases get better? Yes, they do. That's what I'm gonna tell you. And so I wanna challenge the healthcare people out there. Don't be complacent with this. Don't be just treating symptoms anymore. Decide that you wanna treat the cause and get people actually better, long-term better. There's a lot of work that you have to do and there's a learning curve to learn all of this, but you just have to start with that one step where you're gonna say, I'm tired of business as usual. And I wanna do something significant to change people's lives for the better. And this is a holy calling. And maybe I'm gonna learn how to be a SERS practitioner and start making a difference in people's lives. And once you make that mindset change, then you can say, well, maybe I can do something like this in my community. Maybe I could start a free clinic in my community. And if you're interested in doing that, I'll teach you how to do it. There's, uh, there's no, there's no, you know, I don't have any like patent on this. <laughs> I mean, it's a template I've created. And I can teach others how to start a free clinic somewhere and to gather the people and the resources together to be able to do this. But first you have to have that desire that you want to. What about um, needs and plans for donations? I mean, clearly that's an important part. And you know, I see you got a couple donation buttons here. Your yeah. current, let's start with your current situation. Uh, what, well, what do you need? What are your plans? Right now, we're operating two days a week, Tuesdays and Thursdays. Um, that's all I've got the money for. Uh, recently, we got a grant through the whole COVID thing from our county to be able to hire some of my volunteer providers to be part-time employees. So now I've got a nice paid staff that's consistently there. Because you know, with volunteers, people kind of come and go depending upon their schedules. And so now I've got a consistent staff there two days a week. 
And so I just need the money to be able to build on that, but also to grow to five days a week. I want this to be the only full-time free pain clinic in the United States. There is no other one doing this. And then we want to reproduce. We want to make more of these. Well, obviously, it's going to take a lot of money to do that. It's going to take a lot of resources. So I need donors, foundations, grants, you know, people to get interested in this and say, you know what? These poor people are living in pain all the time. Pain is affecting one-fifth of our population. 20% of the people live in chronic pain. I mean, it's, a, it's the issue of the day, more so than cancer, heart disease, any of that stuff. It's affecting people's lives. They can't work. They can't participate with their families, they can't manage their activities of daily living. I mean, pain is a huge issue. And they're medicating it with opioids and alcohol and all this other stuff. So then you have all the, the secondary problems from this, which is the substance abuse. And then you have depression, and you have anxiety, and you have loss of job, and then you get into the disability system, which is a whole nother mess, you know, that people are trying to navigate through there, they think disability is the answer, it's not the answer. So, so we want to create an environment all over this country where people can go and heal from these things. So we're a 501c3, um, you know, we're a public charity um, that we're at the end of the year. If you feel led to give to us, we'd love to have it. Um, you know, we're going to do some amazing things in 2021, despite COVID, um, we're going to proceed on and we're going to help more and more people. But if you're interested in reproducing this in another place, I'll be glad to try to help you with it. No, and that's it's such an amazing offer. And, and I, 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 as a testimony to you, there, there's so many things. We're overwhelmed with things that you can contribute to. And now it's seemingly so easy. It's just a couple clicks on your phone or on your web, on your internet, and, and you can give money. And a lot of times where I get lost is, you know, is this money actually going to a good cause? Am I getting ripped off? You know, you don't, it's hard to know the quality. And one thing I can assure you is that um, if you're if you're looking if your heart tells you or you're um, called to donate to something like this, this would be the place for it because it's going to that very audience that IEP Radio serves the most: those who have chronic illness, those who have low dose environmental exposure concerns, and trying to find a way where you can take your dollar and stretch it as much as you can to cover the most amount of people uh, who don't have the money, who aren't as blessed right. in that at least in that respect. Uh, to get the the type of um, treatment that they want. Uh, Alan mentioned earlier that, you know, so many doctors are treating the symptom, not the root cause. Um, and we've known that for a long time, conventional medicine struggles, even out of school, the way what how they are taught are not to look at the the at the body and 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 the evidence the same way that Alan's been doing now for a number of years and other people like him. So a great resource, obviously, is to start here at the free pain, uh, free a place to donate. It's really easy to do that. Um, Alan, before we sign off, um, I'm wondering if maybe we can take all of the information we did on talking points of just easy steps for someone to think about if they're gonna, you know, as we know, the title of this, this interview is chronic illness on a budget and a prayer. And and how appropriate. And so yeah. to me, to me, the takeaway that I got, and this is the part where you correct me if I'm wrong, is you got to find yourself working with somebody like Alan. If you're desperate, you need help, you need to reach out to him. Here's his information. Um, it, it's it, For those of you just listening, it's freepainclinic.org. There's a phone number, 239-308-7107, and get that process started. Because what I understand from Alan is so many of the steps that you can do are really next to nothing. We're talking about 
cluster of symptom analysis, VCS testing. I mean, this is uh, highly affordable. And what I understand is pretty much free from what you are able to offer. And then, and then there's this whole thing about getting out of exposure, which I think once somebody knows that they have a particular illness like CIRS, that's going to motivate them to take the steps they need, the hard steps they're going to need to take to get out of that exposure, or else you're just going to be spinning your tires. And, and so getting that baseline information is really critical. And then the follow-up steps, this idea of well call and, and having access to binders and having, like, I think you said it was um, AppleCare or what, 360, who's donating uh, help me. I don't want to butcher their name. Apothecary 360. Yeah. It's a yeah, pharmacy. Close, but no cigar. There you go. All right. So we'll get it. We'll, we'll get it close. Helping out with the Marcons testing and things of that nature. I mean, there are so much, even helping you with choices with food, helping provide you with the guidance of things to avoid or minimize so that we're not worried about other effects because you are what you eat. Um, and ultimately having somebody like a captain like Alan who can get you through that process from start to finish and also be there for you uh, in a more human and spiritual sense. So many of the doctors that most of us normally see, think about your primary clinician, you know, I got seven to eight minutes to see you. Um, that's pretty much it. It's not personal. And I got to tell you, one of the, the, the most effective parts of doing my job with people is the ability to connect. Oh, that's great. You know about mold sampling. Oh, that's great. You understand a little bit about building science. That's all great. But at the end of the day, if you can't connect, if you can't understand where that person is coming from and what other things that they might be dealing with in their life, you can't connect with them at that level. If you can't, if you think that God or the spiritual aspect of this could really help and you're not doing it, that might be what's missing from that equation. And Alan, I think, has perfected this model which is so I'm so thankful that you've gone on this talk show uh, for us to really take a look and see, you know, what is working for people who don't have a budget. Any, any thing that I might have missed big picture, any, any thoughts, tips, suggestions? Um, no, I think that pretty much summarizes it. I just want to, again, leave, you know, the idea, first of all, our free clinic is only for people that live in Florida and really okay. most people aren't going to probably want to come to us unless they're somewhere near Southwest Florida because uh, it'll be too far for them to come. Right. But, you know, I would be thrilled to be able to help anybody to start something like this. And I know that most of the providers that are on um, surviving mold that are certified doctors and, and practitioners and also proficiency partners like myself, most of them would be very happy to help the occasional person who doesn't have resources and needs help with all this. And they would probably donate their services. Um, so there is opportunity here to help people. Um, but, and, and so just, if you feel like this is something you're struggling with, if this is something you have, you have to be persistent. You have to find the right person to help you, the right care practitioner. Um, I know that Jenny Johnson, our, our lifestyle educator, a SERS coach that we have for us in our group, she's willing to help with anybody, even people who are homeless. I mean, she's got a homeless lady that I'm dealing with here in Florida that we're working together on. Um, so, so there's help out there. You have to seek it out. But, you know, I would love for uh, anybody out there who's got a, you know, a passion for something like this uh, to try to help people. Um, we can help you set up, you know, your own clinic to do. And, and you could be doing an amazing work right in your own community, your own city, uh, helping people that have really no hope and restoring hope to them. And I think that that's something to take away as well as uh, for those of you clinicians that are listening, if, 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 
what we discussed today is inspiring for you to start something like that. Do not forget about Alan. He's available. He's made himself available. For all I know, we might be coming on uh, IEP Radio again to do a part two that dives in deeper into how we can get something like that set up because God knows we need more people uh, like you out there to help people in need. So thank you so much for coming on the show today, and we'll see what the future holds. My pleasure. Thank you, Michael. The content of this show is for informational purposes and represents the sole opinion of the host and its interviewees only. Any reliance on the information provided in this show is done at your own risk. Additional opinions and or research may change our current view of the topics spoken in this show. We do our best to minimize any inaccuracies presented and make legitimate efforts to back all comments with our own field experience, independent literature, or studies that support the topics discussed. This information should not be used to make conclusive decisions regarding your health or exposure. Ultimately, all questions and or concerns regarding your health should be addressed by a qualified physician. Additional exposure concerns and or questions pertaining to the health of your home or building should be addressed by qualified and on-site professionals. Any and all products and services discussed in this show should not be construed as a recommendation, endorsement, or guarantee that their use is appropriate for your situation. In short, we hope this information is of value to you, but please do not act upon it without actual and individual consultation and guidance by professionals who have taken the time and appropriate collection of data to assess your unique situation.